The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. So, hello. Uh, welcome to The Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. He's Chris Wellamo. Hello. All right? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, we have got a very special guest, uh, someone from a very different era from what we've covered so far on the programme, uh, Scott Goldborn from the uh, illustrious 2014 League One promotion winning team and a few other bits as well. We'll talk to him in a minute about all of that when we get into the show properly. I mean, we have to start off with... What a stylish man the guy is. He's got a bit, hasn't he? He's put me to shame today. I'm about <laughs> <laughs> to take my hat off just to fit the, the, the earphones in. But Just describe yeah. to people this hat. This hat is, uh, I mean, it's like a trilby, really. Um, it's a gentleman's hat. My granddad, uh, old Jamaican man, he used to like a hat. Yeah. And I think my infatuation with a hat come from that. I think that's where that's where it kind of comes from. Uh, albeit he had a couple of different. There's a flat cap really that he he used to he used to sport often, um, but he also had a you know a trilby or two as well. So I think that's where I think that's where it comes from. Um, I was worried about today because I you know from the time that we worked together, I've known you're a very stylish man. Even coming to training, he'd turn up and he'd be rocking it. He had a long grey coat, I think. But even if you had like sweatpants on underneath smart coat would always be on (laughs) (laughs) there's always got to be a little bit of effort made in there looms likes to make an effort yeah well i felt like i needed to try and do something today but (laughs) (laughs) no you're looking at wearing it well so no put me to shame today thank you i think uh, you got to have a start as you mean to go on you know i think you 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 look after yourself you got to make sure you you look the part as well makes you feel better doesn't it yeah i mean i've read somewhere that um dressing well is a sign of good manners you know so i think that's where so i've got bad manners (laughs) 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 Um, so yeah i think it's always it's something that for a long time now you know fashion's been you know a passion of mine albeit it's not really something I've re- kind of entered into I'm, I'm more of a consumer if you like than um, you know someone that would, would would design things but yeah I do enjoy I do enjoy um, you know putting on some gear I think it's, it's nice to wear a bit of character you know and, and, and express yourself a, li- a little bit because Looms already admitted on the, a previous podcast that when you Charlton, your nickname was Louis for Louis Vuitton. Yeah, it was just I had a few different names, a few different places. Yeah, yeah, that's expensive. That's an expensive name. Expensive habit. Yeah, yeah. Because Matt Murray always liked his brands as well. Yeah, big Matt. He doesn't mess around either. Yeah. To be fair. he's a dull single man, a man. He's everything. Isn't he? Yeah, he <laughs> likes the Louis Vuitton as well. You boys got too much him. money. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm more of a, um, like a vintage shop kind of oh, yeah. guy. Yeah. So being from Bristol, the the vintage scene's quite a bit, it's quite hippie there. It's quite, um, you know, it's got that kind of feel where it's a little bit like a Brighton, you know, where it's, it's, there's a lot of kind of secondhand shops. It's more independent stores. Obviously you do have a few of your, you know, your main, your main brands there, but it's a lot more, unique kind of individual um stores and whatnot so my wife and i used to read my wife's a, a very funky dresser as well yeah. um 
so we used to kind of when we're together it's, it's quite frightening sometimes actually so we um yeah so we used to go in a lot of those different stores buying secondhand clothes um she's actually from a fashion background she studied fashion yeah um so she's really good with with the with the sewing machine and things like that so when we first got together we would um she would tailor the clothes for me and put you know we would buy something and then she would kind of reconstruct it in a way to create something else it was crazy so we kind of you know it's, it's always been kind of a part of it's something that we kind of share together um you know albeit um, we didn't sort of football on the one that's recognized as being <laughs> a bit outrageous with 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 the gear it's important to have a, a distraction and other things other people like their music and they can switch off you said your it's like kind of the, the vintage kind of style your missus is obviously your partner in crime but it's it's yeah. it's important to have i guess on a serious note when you're coming to the end of your contract and you've not got another contract that you've got your your wife there that that you can share all these things with as well yeah a hundred percent i think um she's the you know when uh things aren't going well you know you just you come home i I literally felt like um even my time down at bristol's you know i spent a long time out of the team um so it was you know i'll go down there um and i was traveling down quite a bit albeit i'm from bristol we we really settled in birmingham so i was traveling down to bristol i would stay down a few nights a week with my mum um and it was just literally felt like you come home my wife would just patch me back up and then send me back out you know it's it was it's, it's been like that for years you know so i think it is important you know for me she's been um she's been the rock you know when it when it's a little bit shaky with with, with football and it's it can be a bit emotional at, at times albeit i feel I've I've been able to handle things quite well, you know, myself. It's just it's just a blessing to have someone else that's that's quite calm and philosophical about things, you know, won't let you kind of just be in your own misery when stuff's not going going great, you know. So and and again, being out of contract in the summer, um, you know, she's real positive about things, you know, again quite philosophical, doesn't get too disheartened by anything, you know, so um, I'd say, yeah, that for me is is probably one of the most important factors of yeah. uh, you know think, still being you know quite stable because there is you know there is a lot of players I think that really you know they do really struggle um, when times do get a little bit tough mm. tough with with football. Yeah. Um, well, that's a topic that's key to your heart, isn't it? No, I think it is. You know, obviously, I think awareness now we, we all talk about things like depression and football, and it is it's. It's not only in football, every walk of life, you know, there is hard times. People deal with it very, very differently. I have experienced that, I have spoke out about it. Is it something that you, you that you, you would say that you've, you've experienced yourself or been aware of it? Yeah, I mean, it's not something that I would say I, I've experienced firsthand. Yeah. But I think that's only because of um, the way I think and the way and I'm, I'm I'm surrounded by quite a real positive environment mm-hmm. um and I think that's helped you know I read a lot I do you know I'm quite a, a um sort of guy that thinks about things um more I'd say more in a positive way than a, than a negative way and I'm always looking to try and find the you know the positives in things you know there's always um I think there's a Chinese philosophy that says there's always opportunity in a crisis. So, 
sometimes you know I think the way you look at stuff is 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 that depicts how you feel um everything is 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 thought but I think um I can definitely see how you know you know people can suffer and I'm and I'm you know I'm definitely have a level of compassion 100% for 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 mm -hmm. people that are going through you know different things within football because I know the situations that 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 can that can arise can can definitely affect people in different ways depending on on how your thought processes are and and um you know your structure your home your home environment yeah uh we we were having a conversation earlier you know you can some players you know they can have a bad day and then you might go home in the afternoon you're on your own in an apartment you're literally just thinking about that um you know bad game or bad training session and what have you and you and you just you end up putting a lot more emphasis on that than probably what is necessary of course you know you we need you need to think about things logically but there's there's a cut off point yep. you know and then it's like when do you actually say right okay enough's enough now and we, and we were talking about when you when you do have that family at home um you know as soon as you walk through the door and, and, you, and you've got you know your kids or, or or your wife it tends to kind of just take that edge off it and then that stays where that is you know and then yeah. you can come in and, and it's like you know i'm actually um, I have a purpose here as well. You know, it's like, okay, that's not going so well on the pitch or, you know, football's not going so well in general, but, you know, I actually, I do have a purpose here. Like this is, this is exactly. it's bigger, it's bigger than football yep. basically. Um, but yeah, I, I completely understand. And I think there's definitely more that needs to be done. There needs to be more support. I think um, how we are as men, is seen definitely as 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 a, a weakness to be vulnerable mentally. You know, mm -hmm. people will talk about it mentally soft, this, that, and the other. So that's always been a big thing in football. Even from growing up, I was, you know, I was taught um, a coach of mine, Frank Jacobs. He's he, he passed away now, but he's he was um, he was massive on mental strength. You know, and he was like, you need to be tough. You need to. So it was always ingrained from a young age mental strength you can't show any weakness yeah. you know yeah. you can't yeah. you can't it's not you, you don't do that you just that's just not what you do so i think a lot of lads have, have grown up like that um you know so so you know not even within football it's like just just in general you know men are deemed as supposed to be the the, the ones that are you know, you're not showing any weakness. You, you know, you're mentally tough. We're not, we can't be broken. You yeah. know, we have to. We have, and I think that is then caused the knock-on effect. to now we we we're still feeling these things, but we're hiding them. Do you know what I mean? So we don't want to expose. I'm still. You know, I could still be mentally really struggling here. But you could ask me, "Oh, you all right?" And I say, "Yeah, I'm fine." And I'm just yeah. covering things up. I'm, yeah. And then when I'm going home it's is you know i'm in a bad i'm in a real bad place but i'm i'm sheltering that especially from my work environment because i don't want people to to see me as you know yeah. being soft or i don't want so it's a real i think it's a real issue and and now you know there's some some guys that are taking you know taking those steps now and and sort of opening up about it and um you know the doors and and the sort of elephant in the room is being being spoken about now yes. you know and people are coming coming to it and it and i think hopefully now that will that will start to allow more people to express themselves a little more and say actually you know what it's okay like you know we're only human beings you know we don't we're not we're not 
we're not robots, you know, we have feelings and we and we deal with stuff and we process things mentally in a different way. It doesn't mean that we can't play football particularly well. It doesn't mean that we can't perform. It's just that we, we have these mental, you know, it, it is a tough thing to take mentally. We're, we're performers, you know, we perform in front of thousands of people. It's not an easy, an easy thing to do. You know, there's pressure that comes with that and, and what have you. So, um, I think it's yeah. I, I definitely would agree with you and say um, you know I, I I'm not probably not experienced it, but I definitely understand how someone could end up you know getting yeah. in a bad place. Well, it's interesting you say about being performers and that because like like many people, I, my view of football, my view of Molyneux is from the stand. It's from my seat in the press box most of the time. And at the end of last season, when the team got promoted and kind of we went down onto the pitch to do interviews with the players as they're celebrating and whatnot. And it's the first time that I I mean, I haven't really ever been on the pitch. And it's certainly the first time I've been on the pitch when there's a crowd in, when there's a full stadium. And it's the, the, it was the weirdest feeling. Myself and Yanni, who does all our camera stuff, we kind of walking around and there's a part of us that was kind of looking around and this is crazy like i've obviously i've stood down at pitch side when the stand's been empty but being down there where it's full and there's all these eyes on you and it gave me like almost a much more respect for you guys in that you're able to put that out of your mind and play your game and not see each individual face that's there looking back at you I think, yeah, it's part and parcel of football. I think that's what we've came through uh, and we only know. Like, we train every day together and we go out on that pitch that we actually probably don't really notice the crowd. You know, you've got your job in hand, you're focused, you're professional, you go about business as as you would. Uh, it probably, if, if it wasn't so many, that's when you actually hear the little comments as the game's going on. And that, again, depending how mentally strong you are or your mindset can can affect you or put you off your game or basically give you that drive to go and, uh, uh, and, 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 and do better. But no, it's, it's, it's funny how you say that when you actually go down and you experience that atmosphere, then all of a sudden you're expected to have a good touch and see a passing. But when you're in that zone, you don't really, you don't really see the surroundings. I guess when you go to the likes of uh, the atmosphere and it can definitely generate and give you that adrenaline, but you don't really, I, I, I just see it as a positive you know, it's like one of them going out and like if you play a, like a reserve match in an empty stadium, it's still, you got a job to do, but ha- not having the atmosphere or the adrenaline there, you don't get that real kind of intensity in the match itself. So uh, I just see that as a positive, but it's quite ner- it's quite funny how you say it kind of gave you a, a kind of nervous, a kind of look. Yeah, like it, it's just, I, I can't describe it as much and you probably think I'm weird because you're both so used to it and especially you, Scott, because you played out wide you know in that fullback position where you're right next to people who are probably shouting all sorts of things at you it just i i felt very conscious being there that there's all these people that are looking in on you does that make sense yeah 100 percent. and it's in this um i say it to to people um because they, they ask me about the booing and stuff sometimes I've been asked about that and i said well Okay, if you take somebody that works um, in a call center, and I said, okay, what you're gonna do is you're gonna do your, you're gonna go into your job Monday, and you're gonna try and perf- do your job as well as you can, but I'm gonna fill the office with fifteen thousand people, and they're all gonna boo every single time you press the 
button or every single time you pick up the phone or every single time you do something, we're going to bill. And I said, how difficult do you, would you find your job now? Would you find it? So it does have a massive effect, you know, having, and you, like you said, when you step onto the pitch, you start to realise, oh, okay, this is, I feel, I feel this now. It's not, you know, even just, I'm not actually doing anything, but I feel the presence of, yeah. of of a crowd and that and that's how it is but like looms are saying it can work it can work both ways you know it can it, for us we're performers so we kind of like that yeah you know it, 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 it we like that bit of buzz it's nice when you have an atmosphere it's hard when you play in certain games where you know there's been there's been many a time i've been in a dressing room and the manager said to us listen lads you're gonna you're gonna need to create your own atmosphere tonight because it's you know, we're playing a you know a, a cup game. And there's, there's not many people here, or we're playing someone away, and there's, there's there's no one here, or it's a reserve game, or whatever it is. So you're then having to create your own, which is hard when you do have that that crowd. You know, the morning is packed. You know, and you you, you stand out there, and it's uh, you can feel the presence. You know, and there's is um it does have an effect, but it 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 can be it can be a positive and a negative. So like I said, with the booing, when everyone's booing. People say, oh, does that... And I say, well, it it does have an effect. Yeah, because I think if you took anyone else's line of work and you stood thousands of people and booed them, it's not going to make it easy for them, you know? Yeah. it's gonna It does make it harder. Um, but at the same time, if you have a, a, a group of a crowd behind you, your intensity levels, you know, the adrenaline, that extra adrenaline that you get, um, it's, an it's an amazing thing, amazing feeling. Yeah, it's... Uh just absolutely stunning. It's just something that really struck me. Um, good chat, everybody. Good chat. I enjoyed that. Oh, I like a chat. <laughs> <laughs> See, not many footballers would kind of quote Chinese philosophy in their kind of chats as well. That's why I always love talking to Scott. Um, loads more to come uh, on the full show, of course. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us on anything that we talk about on the podcast, oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk. You can also follow us, of course, on social media. We are at Wolves. We always want to thank our sponsors, Wolverhampton Building Supplies, who make this all possible. They are at WV Building Supplies on Twitter as well, if you want to give them a follow. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, an update on our nicknames challenge to come after the main show on the podcast a little bit later on and we're also um i've been asking people about the best game that they have ever seen best wolves game and you feature scott in at least two of a lot of the nominations so we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well the show is coming next wolverhampton building supplies is a one-stop shop for all your building and diy products whether you're a professional builder or just looking to put a shelf up at home, they'll supply you with everything you need on time and at the best possible price, and they even do next day delivery. Best of all, their prices include VAT, so there's no awkward surprises at the checkout. So contact their dedicated trade counter team either at the yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk or just give them a call on 01902 500140
Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, Chris Awelamo. Our guest this week is a flying fullback who made 92 appearances over three seasons, helping to rebuild the club with that record-breaking League One title win and coming within a whisker of the playoffs as they went for back-to-back promotions. This week's inductee is Scott Goldborn, looking very different, actually, to your playing days. The hair is gone. The hair, yeah, the hair's the hair's gone, man. It's um, it's a tough decision, you know, because it, it <laughs> carried it for for a while, and I um, had a, I had a blonde streak in there. Yeah, it's a trademark. To, yeah. Why I, the change? I don't know. I just fancied it. I fancied a change. Um, I wanted to get the waves going. So I just uh, I thought you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna whip it off and and come with something a little bit different. Um, maybe I'm getting a bit too old for that now. <laughs> <laughs> like, a funky hairstyle, my clothes, and that is enough. Now I think just try and keep it a little bit more simple with it with the hair. But um, yeah, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed a high top fade for a while. It was, um, but it's quite popular now. When I when I had it, it was. It was still quite, um, I wouldn't say unique, but there wasn't as many. Now, and then I think it's more of a trend now. People kind of growing their hair up a little bit, skim fade on the side with a with the with a little bit more uh, depth on the top. So, um, but yeah, taking it was, credit, taking credit for the. No, the I'm not taking. You know, I'm not taking too much too much credit. He's a trendsetter. Um, yes, yes. Is, you know, but I know. Um, yeah, it was. I I liked the trim. It was, uh, and it became quite, I suppose, a little bit iconic of the of the time yeah. as well. Well, we've been talking a lot about your style and fashion sense on the podcast extra, which you can download uh, from all the usual places. Um, the we're going to get to kind of the the promotion a, a little bit later on, and kind of, and then what happened after that but one of the things when me and looms were talking about you coming in to see us that kind of fascinated us really was the decision to join in the first place yeah you know i think obviously uh coming from barnsley you know the league above what what was what was the attraction obviously did you speak speak with kenny uh what what brought you to the club i know wolves being a big club but it's still you're, you're the league above aren't you yeah it was a. Uh... It was a tough decision. It wasn't something that I jumped into straight away. Um, you know, I was obviously I was at Barnsley. Um, I didn't have long left on my contract there. Um, I had some interest from a few other Championship clubs. I think there was uh, maybe Blackburn at the time. There was a few others, um, and the Wolves. You know, the Wolves offer kind of come about. It, it was more. Normally with these things, you hear about the speculation and a little bit of interest at first. Um, and I sort of thought about it a little bit. Um, and I just, it was the, it was, I, I was understanding it was a rebuild that was going, that was going on here. Um, and I was, it, it, it dawned on me that I was actually signing, even though I was taking a step down and going out back down to League One. I was actually signing to get in the Premier League. I know that sounds quite, it was optimistic, but that was the thought process because it was, well, if if this, if this we get this right, we got a chance to get into the Premier League here, even though we're in League One. I'd seen Norwich do it, seen 
um, other teams do this jump. You know, Bournemouth did a, a jump. Even though I think I was after I I I'll join. So that's you looking from the outside when that offer comes. You're thinking right, okay. I can see that because the size of the club, the potential it's there, the managers in charge. That's a, that's a, that's a, it's still a it's, that's a, it's a good thought process, but still you're putting a lot of trust in that. Aren't yeah. You? So, but that, you know, I thought this is this is this is something that I think you know this can this can I think this can work. And actually, um, my cousin was here, Matt Hill, is is you know, and I spoke to him a little bit about the club as well. Um, did you know that? I didn't know you that was your cousin. That. Yeah, it's my That's cousin. Because you would have played with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he's my, anyway, yeah. yeah so Hilly's my cousin. Um, he's from Bristol as well, yeah. from, from Bristol City. So we played in the same team together. Yeah, so he was kind of my um, my mentor, really, growing up. Um, so I just used to follow him, same position, albeit he was more, he's a left back, but probably between a left back and a centre half. But he was, yeah, he was he was my mentor growing up, really. Um so, yeah, I, I, he'd been here, so we, you know we had a discussion, on, uh, you know, about the club. So, um, yeah, that was that was kind of my thinking. Okay, I'm 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 going back down to League One, but it is optimistic, and I I remember having you know even my parents at the time, my mum wasn't keen on it because she she knew how um, hard I'd worked to get myself into the championship. Um, and she was almost like, "Are you, are you, are you sure you about? Sure? Yeah, are you sure you want to, you want to do this? It's, it's, you know, they've just had back to back relegations. You know, you know, it, it, there's no, you know, how well have they sorted things out behind behind the scenes? Uh, you know, and I and I just felt that there was um, an, a real opportunity. So you know, I, I. It, it it went on for a little while, and then I remember the Barnsley manager pulling me in the office and saying, "Look, you know, Wolves are are keen here, just sort of banging on the door. Like, do you want to go?" And I said, "Yeah, I wanna, I wanna, I want an opportunity. I want, I want to go. I wanna, I wanna explore this this opportunity." And even he was a little bit sort of, but it's, you know, you you're an established championship fullback. You know, you're you're recognising the champ as, as being, you know, one of the left backs in the championship and now you wanna and I said, you know, yeah, I'm 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 excited. There's something about this opportunity that, that I like. Um so I'm taking a gamble. And I and I and I came and um it was funny because when I first joined, you know, I looked around the dressing room, I thought, okay, you know, we got a very, very good squad here. And there was actually a group of players that were kind of um, not involved. I think that, that were sort of on the on the way out, and even that squad was ridiculous. Um, you know, there was there was a group of about ten guys. Um, you know, that, uh, Jamie O'Hara and um, Roger Johnson, Roger Johnson Stephen Kev Ward, Kevin Foley. Yeah, even though Kev Doyle come back in for a little while, so it was a, there was an opportunity. You know, I could see okay. We just need to, it, it, it felt a little bit, the energy was a bit off when I first came because it was very much, um, things needed to settle a little bit. And I think we'd started off okay, but the foot, we weren't playing particularly good football. So when I came, I did have that moment of, oh no, I've done the right, <laughs> I've done the right thing here because it it wasn't, 
the wounds weren't healed, you know, there were still people hurting from the back to back. The fans were still needed that um, sort of, they needed to be shown, you know, we're, we're, we're back fighting and we're back going in the right direction. It was still kind of a bit of a hangover really. Um, so I did have a moment where I thought, oh no, I don't know if I've done the right thing here. I don't, you know, are we going to just be sort of sat in the, in League One, just maybe we, we mid-table, we don't really, um, so, it, it, you know, but things started to gel. We had a, we had a good group of, we had a good group of lads, really talented group. We had, you know, the best, best squad really, you know, in, in the league. Um, and... There was other bits and pieces that was up in the air. I think Sacco might have been going. Um, I think Forrest were, were keen on yeah. taking him. Yeah, so we had a few players that were kind of playing, but we didn't know if they were going or staying or there was a little bit. So And then I think when the window shut, then it was like, right, okay, this is what we got. This is, you know, we need to make this happen now. And slowly but surely we started to... Um, we started to perform a little, a little bit better, but it did take us till around. It took us. I remember it took us to the defeat at Gillingham away. That kind of, it was a real sort of right. We it's, that was a make or break then because we were kind of in and around the top still, but we weren't playing. You know what we what we had in the squad and and what we were showing was different things. You know yeah. we 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 weren't particularly playing well. Well, the squad was still evolving, I think, at that time, wasn't it? Because um, you know you'd come in and Sam Ricketts had come in, and but it was still kind of some loans started coming, like Michael Jacobs and James Henry, that kind of before it really settled. And even in that January, the whole strikers thing. I mean, you know how important strikers are. Suddenly, it went from being what well, I think it was Bjorn and Lee Griffiths. Yeah, uh, suddenly became. Uh, Leon yeah. came back in, and Nua yeah. arrived. And you know, strikers important. I know he's going to say the strikers are hard thing to do in football, yeah, isn't it? They, Put they, the ball they, in the back. Your main, that's your main, <laughs> you know, your main focus. You can have a, you can be quite average at times, and if your strikers on fire, that 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 gets you out, out out of jail. You know, that can win you games on on his own. And and actually, them guys did that at, at, at quite a few times. So when we kind of evolved and I wouldn't I said it was around that January point I think we got beat by Gillingham away around about the Christmas period and then we I remember playing against Preston I think here I think it was Preston I think we might have won 3-1 or 3-0 we played somebody a good a good team here and and then from that game we just motored and things seemed to click and people were really on board with with and we could see okay We've, we're developing a side here where if we can get out of this league, we're going to be competitive. Even even going up into the championship, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be tough to beat, and we're going to be in 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 the mix. So, um, yeah. Then I started to believe oh, I've I've done the right thing now. You know, it is it is moving, and 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 uh, we do have the the foundations to to be you know competitive at, at the top level. So, but yeah, it was a real optimistic. Thing. Um, but it was just a feeling that I had, you know, I just felt that, okay, I think, that, you know, there, there can be, there is an opportunity here um, to actually go and do something. Um, and I always had a vision of, you know, albeit the Premier League was then a, later down the line, 
I wanted to arrive there with a team. It wasn't, you know, if you can, if you can, you know, you go and someone, someone, you know, pays the fee and you got, that's amazing. But I wanted to, I wanted the journey of going from, you know, loan, loan days at, at Wickham, say league, league two, and then, and then the climb all the way to the top. Yeah. And I saw that here, you know, thinking, okay, league one, we can do, we can do back to, I've seen, you know, I've seen Norwich do it. I've seen other teams do this where they get it right. And they, and they, do, and they do two on the bounce. And that was the plan. And I think the most disappointing thing for me was that second that season in the championship where we we missed out on it. We just didn't. I remember losing five on the bounce, I think. Yeah, it was that kind of horrible November. And it scuppered our whole, because um, we started off well. I think we went to Fulham, beat them. We beat Norwich, I think. Norwich was here on the opening day, yeah. Opening beat Norwich weekend. at home. Um, do we win that game? Yeah, we well, yeah. Dave Edwards header, I think. Yeah, yeah. Van Lepar. Van so we won that. It was like, right, we're here now. We're in business. We've got a strike force that are frightening. We've got solid back four. Got midfield. We've got Kev Mack, Pricey in the middle. Dave, well, we've got, we've got a side here that can really do something. And then it kind of, we just got a bit upset during that November period. It just kind of scuppered the, the season a little bit and it really took us a long time to get back to, we stopped, we, we changed the style of play a little bit because I think that the manager felt he had to. So we kind of didn't play as much free flowing football because it was like, well, we've lost five on the bounce now, lads. We need to really, you know, we need to stabilise here. And it, and it took us a while to get going and it wasn't until that sort of January period again, February, where we started to then um, motor a little bit and then it, we ended up falling falling short at the end. But that was... Benick had arrived by that point. Benick had arrived, so we had... The striker. The striker being important. Well, yeah, it is. I think it's important now, you know, when you do recruit new players, I think it's not just about the quality that they have uh, that's going to on the pitch it's about the character of them as well what they bring to the dressing room and I think like you're saying about Anur coming and all that they are good characters positive characters Bennett coming in you know what he's like the way that he holds himself like you talk about good manners how you talk to someone it's massive that you don't kind of put a negative energy because you, you, you seem I, I feel that energy from you now the way that you're talking about it your your vision you seem very grounded philosophical you know what I mean and I just feel that you that's the way that you go about your own business. So Bennett coming in, characters, that recruitment, that, that galvanise and, and help someone, help a team kick on. But it can also, if you recruit the wrong person, can have a negative effect. You know what I mean? Well, they had, um, your team had this unbelievable front three, effectively then, with yeah. Bennett, Newer and Bakary. You know, the fans loved it. It was amazing to watch because any of the three of them could go and do it. What was it like yeah. playing behind that? Almost kind of going, go on, lads. It, it, I mean, it was, it, it was, when they're on fire, it was like, it was just amazing to watch. It was just, we, you needed them to, you needed them to, to do something because we became, we did become reliant on them. And some days they just wouldn't turn up until maybe 75, 80 minutes. You're like, come on, lads, like you're leaving this late now. Like you, you, you. But when they, when they made it happen, it, it, it was, um, it was, it was, it was beautiful. They, they were unstoppable. You know, they were, everybody in the league were frightened to death. Um, 
you know, everything, every, you know, players that I spoke to in other teams said our whole game plan was how are we going to stop these guys? And then once we stopped them, we had fullbacks that could fly down the outside and we had other people. That, so we were, became, we were very dangerous. Um, and when they started to, you know, we had uh, Dicko up top, we had Benick in the 10, Sacco wide and we had Rajif or James Henry. So it was kind of the four of them. It it was it was you know they were they were tough to to stop, um, and it was amazing when they were on fire. They were just we knew we you know we could just stabilize back here, and then you know them boys would just, just take care of it. You know they would they would score you goals and um, yeah, I think that was probably a f- a best of um, a front three or four that I've ever you know I've ever been involved in. You know they were. They were frightening when they when they were on when they were on song. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was an experience to to, to play behind that because um, you knew they you knew they would do something, you know, and they only needed a moment. Each of them could do something on their own. You know, they would obviously combine together, but they they all had the ability to just you know do something you know on on their own and produce a a piece of magic. So that was um that was an experience to be to be part of that. What what would you say yourself? You know, like your drive. You know, it's all about people say like com- competition in a squad, having players that are chomping at the bit to take your place. This is part and parcel of football. What you know, like obviously the following season, twenty games before Christmas, then Matt Doherty comes in and takes your place. How does that affect you? You know, obviously professional as you are, you want to get back in there, do what you need to do. It yeah, it's tough. I think any time you're you out of the team is 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 tough. Um, but you know, you have a you have a drive to, you know, be, I think, be the best you can be. And for me, it was like, you know, I wanted to play. I wanted to be someone that had had a 500-game career. I was told at one point, you know, if you've played 500 league games, you're, you know, that's, you're a veteran. You know, you've, you've, you've not, not cracked it, but that is a, that's a, that's a well-respected career. Yeah. So I had a, you know, I wanted to make sure, you know, I played as much as I could. People said to me, you know, you, like you were saying, you're a long time retired. So even from, you know, a while back, I kind of knew, you know, this is, I don't want these periods of time without playing. You know, I want to, I know it's a short career. People have told me over and over, like, you don't, you don't get long at this. So, you you know, you want to play as, as much as possible. So it's tough when you're, when you're out of the team, you know, because all you want to do is play. You know, especially like you look outside the window is, you know, we don't want to play. You know, no one wants to sit on the bench and, you know, you want to play. So, um, yeah, so it was tough. But, you know, I always had a had a had a drive to, you know, be as, as good as I can be and, and train and work hard. And, you know, I'd spend a long, long time in the gym and doing whatever I could to try and to try and get back into into the team. And I understand Sometimes, you know, you do have to have spells out, you know, you might be out of favour or, or the team needs, you know, I'm always quite, I try and look at, okay, is it benefiting the team that I'm out of the team? Because if it is, sometimes, you know, you have to say, okay, you know, no problem. I, I feel like I can come in and have an impact, but if it's working out, which I think at one point it was, you know, team was kind of doing okay. Docs was playing there. He was, you know, he was doing quite well. So it was like, you know, I have to take my medicine sometimes, you know. And I'm, that's how I am. I'm, yeah, I'm frustrated that I'm not playing. But if Docs is coming in and he's doing well, 
you know, I have to still support him and, you know, take the yeah. medicine and say, okay, you know, he, it is what it is. And I, and I have to get back to the training, the training ground and really try and, and then when my opportunity comes again, because opportunities do generally come around, you take them. Um, so yeah, but it was, you know, it is frustrating. And what, it was, is. what was your relationship with, with the manager then, you know, in that difficult time, you know, obviously dialogue with them all the time, because you seem like, obviously you go, keep your head down, go on with business as normal. Yeah. Or do you go and chat with them? Or... So I spoke with him a, a little bit. Um, you know, we didn't have, I wouldn't say he's a manager that's super vocal with, with, with people. Um, so I, you know, we had some conversations. He he felt that he needed more of a solid back four. Because um, I remember Courtney playing there a little bit as well. Yeah. He said, look, I feel like we are a little bit, we've kind of lost our way a little bit defensively. Um, and we need more, you know, stature and size and a little bit more solidity um, in the back four. Which was, you know, disappointing, but... It is. It is what it is. Um, so it, it was open. I knew why. You know, I knew why I wasn't playing. It. You know, I wasn't like. You know, I don't know why I'm not in the team. I kind of understood. Okay. You know, we do. You know, we want some more of a solid unit. Um, and it was funny because when I found myself being out of the team, sometimes when stuff wasn't going so well. But then when we were kind of playing more free-flowing football, then I would come back into it. Um, when they needed someone that's a bit more up and down and can attack and whatnot then I might you know I might feature again so I didn't ever th feel like that's it you know I'm not going to get back in I felt like yeah. okay this is just a period you know we're going for a period but do you think that solidity aspect of it kind of came a little bit from the fact that Bakary was never replaced you'd had that you developed that strong partnership with the guy playing in front of you that you know came back and helped you out and then there wasn't a natural ready replacement and every fan knows of what happened. You know, Shea Ojo had come in for a little bit, Rajiv transferred over there a little bit and there were these, there was never a settled player in front of you for that then period that led up to that. Yeah, I think that that definitely had an effect because we built a relationship where we kind of, um, we had a real good footballing relationship where we just knew, you know, it took me a while because he is, He's unorthodox, and he would do, and he would, he would sometimes he would be doing things, and I didn't even know what he was gonna do <laughs> um, to start with, because the guy is a is a magician. Um, but we did develop a relationship, and then you know maybe ten, twelve games, fifteen games together, it was like right, okay, we 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 have a a real connection now. Um, I remember we, there was a goal at Brentford away. I think there was a throw in. I might have threw it to him. He gave it to me back, flicked it back to him. We kind of had a combination and uh, Jake's, he ended up scoring, but we kind of could combined. We knew, you know, he knew what I needed from him defensively. So even though most attacking players are pain in the backside to come and get <laughs> and to defend, he would give me what, you know, he'd give me what he could, you know, defensively. Yeah. He would, he would, um, he would come and do his bit definitely. And I, and I really appreciated that. So, yeah, that definitely helped. And then, you know, replacing him is, you know, it's tough. It's, it's, he's quite a unique for the, um, for the level, you know, this is, it was hard to find, um, you know, a replacement for him. So yeah, that, that definitely, I, you know, I did struggle with that. And then there was no consistent, you know, I played with a different, you know, different player 
you know most weeks it would change there was no real consistent um partnership um so that was tough rather as a center half you know i played again with steers there me and steers had an amazing uh partnership mm. um so steers had gone to fulham by that point yeah so oh, that had changed that had, the, the the player you know the winger had changed so it was a lot different you know and it took it never really cemented the way it did before. Um, you know, it was quite it was quite difficult to really kind of build them them, them footballing relationships. Um, you know, again, it was it was it was tough, and I think that that did hinder me as well. You know, I think it, you know it's hard to the relationships in football are massive. You know, your your yeah. relationships on the pitch. You know, if it's a strike partnership, if it's a midfield two two centre halves, full back and winger, and you know they're their key relationship. So I think, yeah, that did have, that did have a big, a big effect. You know, it was hard to, we were losing guys and it was difficult to replace them um, with someone that could, you know, fill that, that, that void and stay and play, you know, as consistently as, as, as they did. You have, your, you have your style of play, you know, you're up and down, great energy. Were, were you maybe too accepting when the manager changed it and said, you know what, I can do that. If you want me to do that, I'll, I'll sit in. You know what I mean? I understand it. Like you're talking about relationships here. Yeah. But you can you can play many different types of way. But were you just focused? I know what I bring to the team. Because listen to you saying there, you're saying you're sitting on the bench, and then you would play when they wanted to be free flowing football. But if he wants the team to have a little bit more solidity, you can do that as well. And that a bit more, a, a wee bit too accepting, maybe. A hundred percent. So I was getting more, being more experienced now you understand you may need to play different styles of football at different times. Yeah. So I remember the the manager at the time, Kenny was talking, he used to talk about winter football and he used to say, you know, right lads, we're going to somewhere or another, you know, away game. It's winter football now. You know, everyone pre-season watches a World Cup, watches the Spains and the Brazils and the Germanys and then it's like the first few games of the season it's like the yeah. weather's nice, everyone's rolling the ball about, <laughs> yeah. it's lovely. Then once the the clocks change and it's cold and it's windy and it's like you're scrapping around for points, you do have to adjust your, your, your style of play. So now becoming that little bit more experienced, I understand, okay, you know, you may need to play different, different styles of football even within a, a player. You yep. know, because um, I had my style that I just wanted. This is how I want to play. I want to. I just want to run up and I got bags of energy. I want to. That's how I play. Um, rather than like, hold on a minute. You know, now I understand. Okay, experience. There's there's different time. You know, there's different types of play now. I could still play that that role, albeit I'm. You know, I might not have the stature. You know, which I can't. You know, unless I, someone stretch me out or I stand in the grow bags <laughs> for a few weeks. You know that I can't really help that, but in terms of my positioning, yeah, I should have probably been a bit more, you know, open-minded to yeah. starting to adapt a different type of game for different periods of time. Um, which going back now, that was, you know, I would, you know, I would do that, and I think that comes with experience when you, when you, when you, when you, when you've had such a, um. From my personal perspective, I had a real um, large portion of success playing a certain way. I've played this way for, for years now and it seems to be getting me real success. So all of a sudden, I had a, 
hold on a minute, you know, I don't really, that's that's what I've been doing and yeah. it's been it's been going well. Like I've been played however many games in the champ and the, in league and it's been going really, so it's, yeah, it takes a little bit of understanding and a little bit of, of more experience. I think it's just a bit of inexperience on my own part to then be um, naive to the point that, you know, you need to, you can, you have the capacity to change your, your style a little bit and that might have kept me in the team a little bit longer, Definitely, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to WolverhamptonBuildingSupplies.co.uk. Okay, so that was the show. Uh, I, I wanted to kind of we're maybe slightly short on our Facebook show there because I wanted to kind of get through it because I love talking to you and if I let you go off into another answer, then we would have gone way over our allotted time <laughs> from there. Um, <laughs> We've got to talk about the departure because I think it was Sheffield Wednesday away was just before Christmas was the first game that Matt Doherty Doc comes in and takes your place and plays left back. And then the team, I think, after that game win the next four. So that was just before Christmas. By the, the end of January, you were gone. It was like, bang, what happened? It, I think it was... Uh... It was a strange time. I think the 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 club um, we would we were initially talking about extending my contract because I think I was up at the end of the year, so we started to talk about um, you know extending my contract. Then the um, that started to dampen down a little bit, and then I came out of the team, and then I think. Did the club go up for sale? I think the I think the club was up for sale. Was up for sale anyway. at the time. So there was a lot of kind of uncertainty. A few guys had was was you know, steers had gone. It was kind of like um the club were kind of wanting to offload a little bit. So it was it went from discussions about a new contract to then that was kind of quiet and then it was um my agent was calling me and saying, you know, the, the 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 talks have kind of diminished, and you know now there's people that are gonna, you know, you, you know you're at the team, you got not got, you've not got long left. People are gonna want wanna come and take you. So, origin originally I was actually going to Fulham, believe it or not, but Fulham had a an embargo, um, so we were starting to discuss pre contracts for the end of the year, which meant, which suited me because I thought, okay, if, because I really want to stay here, but if, if nothing materializes here, at least I've got to the end of the season um, for something to happen. Yeah. You know, maybe the club, because the club's up for sale, maybe someone comes in and we can sort all this out and then it's like it never really happened and I, and I stay. Um, but it came to January and um, I remember there was going to, you know, my agent was saying, look, Bristol City are going to come in and make an offer. Um, and I said, right, okay. So he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to stay, really. He said, he said, but because of the, the situation of the club, and I spoke with the, the manager and whatnot, and because of the situation of the club, um, 
just they're not gonna offer they're not offering a new contract at the moment. Clubs up for sale. We don't know what's going on. So I was like, right, okay. So he said, look, you know, it is a risk if you stay you may go to the end of the season, be out of contracts at the end of the season, which looking back at that now, I don't think that would have necessarily been a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but at the time it was a little bit scary. You know, I'd never been out of contract before. I was like, I was, you know, I was thinking, okay, I don't, I don't really like the sound of that. It's a bit unsettling. I don't know, you know, so um, you said, you know, Bristol City are coming in. I think Wolves, you know, is a, is a healthy offer. I think Wolves may take it because they've got rid of Steer, you know, uh, let Steers go. I think Benick went, mm-hmm. um, you know, a few other. So, yeah, so then it ended up, um, the offer went in, uh, Wolves accepted it. The, I spoke with the manager. Um, then we had a little bit of, um, we had some, some tough discussions actually, Kanye and myself, because he wasn't, he didn't want to let me go um, until they had a replacement. But I was, you know, and I said, look, I, I, I can't really stay here because there's there's nothing, you know, off, there's no offer on the table here. You know, I was hoping that, okay, maybe a bid goes in and then they say, oh, somebody wants him, let's, let's give him, we need to give him something. We need to give him a, a contract. contract yeah. That was what I was hoping for. <clears throat> That didn't that didn't happen. So it was more, you know, they were accepting them. So they had accepted an offer, and but the the terms were, you know, we need to bring someone else in. We need a replacement. I think they were looking at uh, a Dutch left back. I think at the time, um, I spoke to Kev Farewell. I think they were looking at yeah. Was it Boylison? I think uh, was playing for Ajax at the time. That was kind of heavily linked. Yeah. So they were kind of had their eye on bringing someone in. Um, so the kind of wheels are in motion with that, but Kenny was still like, "Look, Scott, I, I don't really, I'm not happy to just let you go out the door without. We need to replace you." Um, so the time was ticking, time was ticking. It's getting kind of closer to the end of the window. These are kind of discussions going on, um, and in the end, I said, to, you know, I said to him, "Look, Gaffer, I, I, I need to, I, I want to go." I said, "I'd, I'd feel." a bit uneasy about about what's going on here and I don't want to be left at the end of this at the end of the season with no you know no contract here and the way the team's shaping up Dots is doing really well I might go for the rest of the season and not play you know I back myself to of course yeah to to give account and get myself in the team but that might not be the case um and I said look you know I'm not playing at the moment I'm not um even sort of put myself in a window to then maybe go somewhere else in the summer if mm. if uh, if there's no contract here. Um, so he, he said, look, okay, you know what? Um, you know, you've done a fantastic service for the club. I respect you as a, you know, as a, as a man and your, and your wishes. He said, I'll go and speak to the board. And, um, I'll, you know, I'll let them know that, you know, either way, we're either giving you a contract or, you know, we give you the blessing to go. So yeah, so I ended up ended up leaving, um, which, in a way, it was it was nice to go back home. My mum was over the moon this time. There wasn't no, uh, you know, <laughs> are you sure? Was, yeah, yeah, my mum was chuffed a bit this time. There no, there was no no doubt about that. I was coming home, you know, back to Bristol because the way I left Bristol City in the first place was kind of. That was a little bit controversial um, under Gary Johnson. Um, you know, I just broke into the first team, left 
too early really um but anyway so it was like oh, i'm coming back to kind of unfinished business you know um they were in a relegation battle at the time you know they'd sign myself tom lynn Odom, pete Odom, wingy like we saw there were some sort of quality strikers coming into the building so you know it was albeit it was exciting to go home i had a i felt like you know my heart was kind of in this place and i'd kind of really fell in love with this with you know with with wolverhampton wolves you know everything about it you know i loved it i loved my time here so it was kind of that was tough leaving yeah. that i'll ask you this because I think I, I I say never have regrets, but my only regret in football was leaving Wolves. Yeah, you know. So in hindsight, if knowing what you know now, in that exact same position, those tough talks that you're having with uh, with Kenny Jacket, what would you do? Now I would I would um I would still I would probably try and come to some sort of um you know compromise. I don't think I think leaving was a bit hasty. Um, but you want to play? I wanted to play, but it then started to become, for the first time ever, it started to become about business because it was like you know your your security, isn't it? Your security now, you know, mm. you're at an age now where it's like, look, Scott, you're 28 or you're whatever, whatever I was, 27, 28. You know, you need to start thinking about you know the longevity of your career and the contracts and the security now that was kind of taking more ownership over the football. And that was kind of the first time ever it's been like that. Because again, you know, I'm the type of guy I'll go from the championship to League One if I think football, you know, money takes care of itself in, in you know, in football. I think if you're successful in the game, you know, we're fortunate enough, you're not going to go hungry, you know. So this was the first time ever where it was, it was you know, about business and thinking kind of more logically rather than my heart and what I wanted to do football wise so that was where it was it was tough because it's interesting you mentioned the age thing in that because me and Loomis were talking this morning about the fact that you know you are now you're only 30 now yeah and yet you're without a club and 10 years ago you know 20 years ago when you guys were starting out and looking into your career well more he was starting out than you were starting out but there you go cheers <laughs> um the, every squad would have a couple of players who were 30 plus, who were your senior pros who were experienced. They might not play every game, but they're within it and they're within the group. Now, you don't tend to have that now. You might have one or two, and goalkeepers tend to be older. But you look around, you look at the current Wolves squad, apart from Matinho, I don't think there's another outfield player who's over 30. Oh, I agree. I think that the game has changed very much. You know, I think uh, there is definitely a positive of having experienced heads there. You know, it's not just about what they do on the pitch. And you, the game has changed. And as I say, the speed of the game. So I guess when your legs have gone, your legs have gone. You know what I mean? I was very lucky that 28, I walked into a three-year contract at uh, at Charlton. And then a three-year contract here at Wolves, three-year contract at Burnley. It was, it's it's not heard of anymore. You hit 30 and it's like one year. It's like so, some ridiculous contract, six months. And then and that, that's just the way football is. Uh, but it serves a purpose having experienced heads there because what they do, they set standards. They they push themselves, the young, how, how, how they look after themselves. 
football's not just about going out and playing football. There's so many sacrifices. We don't even look at the sacrifices. It's the way where you get brought up, what you got to eat, what you got to, how you got to train, the things that you, how you got to look after yourself away from the football pitch. And if you have good professionals, good experienced professionals, that filters down as well. So it's definitely a place for that. But yeah, football is becoming very ageist now. It is. It's it's 100% very present. Because it used to be when you got, say, over 34, then people wouldn't want to touch you and you'd go to that. Then it kind of came down to 32 and 30. And now it almost feels like it's 27, 28. You get to that age and all of a sudden it's like, well, well, you know, we've got a 19, 20-year-old kid who's coming through who's probably cheaper and is seen as being fitter and we'll stick them in instead. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, And I was probably coming it that that era where it started to kind of it started to go like that because i i remember signing for reading at uh maybe 17 and it was a year we got promoted from the championship to the premier league and that was an experienced team like i remember stepping in there and this was established men in this team like the, the, these guys were you know they played hundreds of games. They were, you know, there was a lot of older heads there. You know, they they were, you know, it was a real experienced group. Um, and I saw success with that, you know, firsthand. I was part of that. I was like, wow, you know, there's a lot of guys here. There's not, there's some younger ones, but the majority of this squad is, is experienced. And then over the years, it started to, you know, I started to get younger and, and you know, you might only have a, a handful or a small yeah group of players that are you know over 30s because you'd have like the over 30s group that would like you'd have to look after them a bit more I used to laugh when I was younger now I'm in that group where they wouldn't train as much you know they might just you know you steady you on a Monday like you've played on Saturday like you just stay in another rub and that because you need to look after the older you know the older bodies a little bit because it's just not you know you can't put them through the same um miles as the as the younger ones so but that is, yeah, that is starting to change. And I think I remember even here, they were talking about the recruitment team were talking about um, like an under 24 policy where they only went through a period where they only wanted to sign players under 24. Um, it's resale values. So I remember speaking to Joe Gallen and um, I think it was when we were coming through, when we were having that tough period and he was saying, because we were sort of asking, you know, we need a few more. Joe, if we want to get out of this league, we need a few more um, in January. And uh, this was when we were in a championship and he was saying, yeah, but it's, it's tough because what we're, the task we've been given is, you know, we need to find players that are under 24, but that can come in and take us to, yeah, and take us to the Premier League. It's like, it's, it's, it's a tough ask. You know, um, I mean, there's not many experienced at the time. It didn't seem to be many experienced championship players, which is what they wanted. They didn't think they wanted to go ab- abroad or anything too much. Mm. It was, you know, we want proven championship players that can come into this squad and and help take us to the Premier League um, with the final push. Uh, and he was saying it's, it's it's tough, you know, but that was a, a policy that came into place. So for the older ones, you know, like myself. Dave Edwards, you know, Steers, we were starting to kind of creep up late 20s. Um, yeah, you could feel that, you know, we, were, we weren't going to be given the, you know, the, the, the longer term contracts now if we were getting one, you know, because, it, you know, it's starting to become much more, it, you know, it always has been a business, but it's definitely being looked upon 
fiercely now that we need you know we need younger guys and you know that, that's that's where we're going to put our our focus now just before we get to the rundown to finish off um i just want to ask you about matt doherty really because i say he was the man who kind of who got your spot and kept it and then never lost it for i think he played almost every game for 18 months until nuno arrived and and changed the formation and switched him back over and we were talking on our way up here about you know how he is different and how he has adapted and how he has set himself out as a proper premier league footballer now yeah i think i think so and and you know we were having a conversation where ability you know no question he, he's always you know he's always the ability's always been there it was a question of how he could bring that to the table because I always felt that he um, could always get more out of his like, we're, we're all like that we all look and think you know, how can we get more out of ourselves but he was someone that I always felt you know if he could just sort of look after himself a little bit better and just really get a bit more he, he, you know he's he's got the ability there to do some really you know some some incredible things in the game and it seems that that started to to take place, you know, and I, and I, you know, I look at even how he moves on the pitch. Now he's, you know, he's the guy's an athlete, and and you know he can he gets up and down, and he can play, which he which he always could. He's got a bag of experience under his under his belt now, um, and he really took that position and ran with it as an like an unorthodox left back, really, and. Um, and now he's gone on to do, you know, amazing things. So, you know, we're, I was having a conversation with Steers about about him the other night, and we're saying, you know, we're, we're buzzing for him because he was somebody that we kind of we felt he has the ability, but you, you know, we, we just never knew would it actually come to fruition, would it actually, you know, blossom, um, and it has, man, and it and it's like it's a it's a it's an amazing thing to see you know and it, him and and Cody as well we, we mentioned we mentioned Connor Cody who's adapted a, a a different position and just you know took it by storm and you know the guy the guy showing what quality he has the same with Docs and they've been an integral part of what's of what's gone on here and and the new you know evolution back into the into the Premier League. Actually, before we get to the rundown, just to finish on this, because you just mentioned something that kind of fascinates me, and I'm interested in Loomsy's view on this as well. So Matt Doherty is a, a right-back who converted and played an awful lot of football as a left-back, which is kind of a similar position, but it's still a, a fairly big conversion. Connor Cody was a midfielder who converted first to full-back and now as kind of a sweeper. Could you have converted? <laughs> I could have converted to one of the old school centre backs, just head it and kick it. I, I probably could have done that. Yeah, but, uh, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have done it willingly. Let me put it that way. <laughs> what about you? Because you did play as wing back at other times in your career. Would you have gone out and out winger? Would you have gone up front? Mm, centre mid. I would have liked to centre mid. I always loved Kev Mack. The way Kev Mack played was like, if, when I come, if I come back in another life, <laughs> I'm going to be Kev Mack and I'm going to play in the middle and just be like in control of Because you do get starved out wide. There was games I played and I'm, I'm getting cold out here, lads. Like you, you're not, you know, you're not passing it out wide. You know, Kev Max dictating things in the middle. You know, Steers got the ball for periods of time at the back. So I think, 
if I could convert, it would be centre midfield and just getting them, you know, and be in the mixer all the time with with everything. I think that would have that would have suited me, definitely. Okay, okay. I, I've got a feeling Kevin McDonald's name might come up in what we're going to do now. This is the rundown, okay. so fairly quick fire. Just give us a name. Um, we'll go through some of these. Best player that you played with at Wolves? I would say Bakary. Yeah. All right. I've, the worst trainer at the club. Dicko, the worst really? trainer. Yeah. Guy's terrible in training. <laughs> so bad in training. But yeah, on a Saturday, the guy's dynamite. That's absolute because I've watched a lot of training. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be completely honest. When he first came, uh he, he came he was on loan at Rotherham, right? He yeah. came from Wig we signed him from Wigan, right? Was uh, it Wigan? Yeah, so he was on loan at Rotherham. He actually scored two against yeah, us. Yeah, he scored two against us, yeah. And then he, he so I seen him from the Rotherham game and I'm this guy is you know, fire. Then he came train he come to you know, joining at training and I thought this you know, he just he just didn't really seem bothered. Um, and I've played with a few lads like that where they just they're just not really that 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 bothered, you know, with training. They just seem to be able to. I was one of those. I'm old school. You train if you don't train, you can't take that training and go out on a Saturday and think you can play. How you train is how you play, right? Albeit, you know, I, I taper down like kicking people and stuff, but <laughs> you know, you had to put some effort. You had to go for it in training because you know I always felt like if I was sloppy, yeah, I'll be sloppy on a Saturday. Some players just have disability. There's some unique ones that go against the grain, and they're just they're not good in training. They're not very good at all. And um, on a Saturday, he was just unbelievable. So, but yeah, I would say in training, you don't fancy it. Biggest moaner? Mm, James Henry. <laughs> Who's your best friend in football? Best friend in football? Um, I've got two really I've got actually I've got a couple they're all kind of equal um Danny Bath um Steers um Jem Karakan who's um at Millwall I was with him at Reading I actually live with him so we got you know he's probably my best friend in, in football and a guy uh Osman so uh, Milton Keynes we got on really well as well I'd say them that group okay. but probably Jem is is up there um, best and worst dress sense oh man I mean you can put yourself as best if you want no you can't put yourself put as best, best. You? <laughs> thanks gentlemen I appreciate it but our, our best dressed uh, let's go worst dress first Let's think about the walk. Like, let's think about the, the the time I was here. Oh, it's a tough one, guys. You, I'm, you haven't. I'm really well, having to dig deep. What what's been the suggestions? Well, I mean, from your era, we did a, a feature on Wolves TV last year called the yeah. Question Tanking. Yeah, and all kind of current players. They're in little groups, and they'd pull out, and this question came out. Yeah, and there was one guy who got referenced an awful lot in that, which was Matt Doherty for his socks. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He's got some horrible socks, the guy. <laughs> you know, I love him to bits, but he, he has got some bad. He has got some bad socks. Really random, like 
he would wear shorts with just random, just really random socks, like school socks or like, um, <laughs> I think they're called happy, happy socks. I think they're called a happy feet, maybe. It's like a brand and a kind of, might have polka dots on them. Really weird. <laughs> really weird. So I'd say, yeah, that's, that's up there with some of the worst I've seen. Definitely. Right, straight into the next one then. Who was the funniest player that you played with? Um, probably Kev Mack. Yeah. He is, he's a funny guy. And on a, and just like Christmas do his outfit would always, I remember him dresses in a, a tin man once, full silver. And he even sprayed the train. He had some Harachis, Nike Harachis, and he'd gone through the trouble to spray them with a metallic silver spray paint. So he'd spray painted the trainers. He had the full tin man axe. Every, like he's just a good, good guy. He's just hilarious. Um, before Looms reads it, by the way, this next question I've had to slightly alter to what normal what most people get. Just, you'll see it in a minute. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. right. So he's he's edited. What is what was the best goal you scored or saw? The best goal I scored for Wolves. So that's why Probably, we've added on yeah. or saw or saw. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go a, with a close range header at Oldham. Like, I'm not nothing, sure who's really going to count. Not particularly exciting, is it? So let, the best goal, to be honest, Jake. I like Jake's goal at Brentford. Um, yeah, where he's kind of, I think it's me. Maybe cut it back to him, and he kind of gone back, whipped it back across himself. And Sacco scored a goal against Sheffield United. And it was the hardest I'd ever seen anybody kick a football <laughs> in all my time on this planet. That's the fastest I've ever seen a ball move. And I think uh, it was here, down this end, I think. And he smashed it into the into the net. I think it might have been a corner and it might have, someone might have cleared it. And he's rocket like it's, and I mean, it's this ball's travelling. And I remember, like the boys in the back are nodding, like they all agree with yeah. you. And I remember it. I, it's the fastest I've this. ever seen a football move. Like I think if it would have been a Sky game, and it would have had that, you know, for a period of time on Sky, they were having like the, the, the they would put the little radar on the ball yeah. and see. Uh, that would have broke some records, man, because that he really caught hold of it. I think that's probably that's the one that comes to mind. Um, what was the best game that you were involved in? We've asked a lot of the supporters, lots of fans who listen to us about the best game that they've ever seen uh, Wolves play. And there were two that you featured in that featured very highly in that list. Do you know what they would be? I would say the Rotherham game, the 5-6-4. Six, four. Six, four. And um, the Leeds game was yes. a good game. That was a good game. 4-3. And that Leeds game is the loudest atmosphere I've ever been involved in. I think Edo scored. Yeah. Edo scored. And that is the most... That was the biggest rush of noise <laughs> I've ever... Like, it nerdy... Like, you know, and it, it actually feel like it's going to knock you over. Like, the, the, the roar, the place just erupted. I couldn't believe... Because they are like, like that Leeds game was because um, it was three one weren't we really yeah, early and on? And they started coming back. It was, it was it? Easter Monday. It was a couple of days after just one at Forest. Benick had scored a wonder goal, and it went that I think went 
definitely into the playoff positions, maybe even higher up into it. And Aaron McCary was doing the co-commentary with us. We were doing it just for like on the Wolves website at the yeah. time. And in the press box, you're not supposed to celebrate or do anything and stuff. And when Leeds had kind of got back into it, their reporters had kind of gone up and celebrated a bit. So when Edo scores that header, like all the Wolves guys would be sat like just down to my right. And I've seen like all of them go up. And I didn't realise until afterwards and someone pointed out, because I'm commentating on all you guys celebrating. Yeah. Aaron McCary has just thrown his headphones off and he's just stood in the press <laughs> box with both arms <laughs> in the air. <laughs> It just it, it it the game it, it, it created that feeling, man. We we just because it was kind of like we were comfortable, and then all of a sudden they come back into it, and it's like the mighty leads are coming back again. And then we just had to, you know, when that when it, when he scored, the place just yeah, the place erupted. So was that more I, mad or less mad than the six four? That that was the best. That was probably the the best atmosphere and the best feeling the 6-4 was just that was just an outrageous game I mean to watch that's probably the best game to play in probably not because it was like lads, <laughs> lads what are we doing here like you know how this why can't we just keep hold of this and win this comfortably we just got mad things going on um but I'd say the Leeds game for me was probably probably the best game because that Rotherham game, like, I think there was, what, about three or four pitch invasions? Yeah. Like, towards the end. Yeah. And then Sam Ricketts pops up with just an unbelievable goal yeah. and stuff. Just It was just crazy. It was just a crazy, um, a crazy game. And did we need to... Were they close to... Yeah, they were Rotherham, quite close to us in the league as well, right? Yeah, Rotherham were, were not that far off. I mean, I think you were still going to get promoted by that point. Yeah. But I don't... Rotherham, because Rotherham finished third in the end and went up in the playoffs. And I think they finished fourth, didn't they? I think they were I'm pretty sure they were fourth because it was Wolves, Brentford, Leighton Orient, I think. Yeah, Leighton Orient. And I then think. Rotherham. But yeah. Rotherham was certainly pushing at the time. So are you going to say something? No, I was just going to go kick on with the final question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> we're talking too much. Yeah. Uh, what was your proudest moment at Wolves? Um... Probably, I think the the promotion was was the was probably the proudest the proudest moment. I think um, you know that was an incredible it was an incredible day. Um, we beat someone at home. Who do we? Uh, we went away at Crew. Oh, so that's it. Yeah, so we went away at Crew. So okay, so that was an interesting day because I. Um, which actually killed me a little bit because a lot of those pictures from that celebration, I'm not in it because what happened is uh, we'd won the game. There was a pitch invasion. So I'm in the left back spot. So if you can imagine the tunnel is over the complete opposite side of the pitch. So we win the game and then, you know, I'm celebrating, we're celebrating kind of on a pitch, you know, we've, we've done it. And there's a rush comes onto the pitch. So then for me to get from the left back spot kind of through the crowd and, you know, everyone's kind of congratulating you and then someone wants socks, someone wants shin pads, someone else is asking for this, that and the other, yeah, which is fine. You end up getting into the dressing room with no gear. Make yeah, it. Just the sluggers, which someone would have probably took them as well. If it, if, <laughs> um, so, yeah, you get back to the to the 
to the top and they're all waiting like they're kind of celebrating but they're waiting for me because they know oh someone like scott is missing so um everybody's kind of ready with the with the champers um and there's obviously must have been a few pictures taken they've got like the we're going up banners and bits and pieces and then it was just an unbelievable feeling because i was the last one and all the squad you know, the teammates, staff, everybody's ready. And then I walk in the dressing room and then the place just erupted. And that moment was probably the first time in football where I felt I've achieved, like, I've really achieved something here. Like, this is, you know, this is the first time I've been involved in something where I can see the the excitement on everyone's faces. You know, we've really... We've done something, I think, and off the back of, you know, double relegation and, you know, it was a real relief to, you know, get back going in the right direction. So I'd say that was probably, that game was probably the proudest, the proudest moment, definitely. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. Thanks for downloading the Old Gold Club podcast. For more great content, check out rules.co.uk or follow at rules on social media. Oh, and by the way, please support us by rating and reviewing our podcast on iTunes and Spotify.